book of Acts, Acts chapter 26. We'll be mentioning a number of different passages today, but today we're dealing with why make missions giving a top priority. And before you check out, some of you may have already checked out on this because there's two things as people, as Christians, in my years I've found that we have an aversion to, and that's missions and prayer. And usually we have aversions to things we ought to be attracted to. But seriously, I am, I am not blowing smoke here. This, these truths could revolutionize your life. Not only for now, but for eternity. And I am, I am more and more convinced of these. And let me just say right from the very start, and you ask anybody that's been around here um, for the last 30 years, we talk about missions and giving to missions. But as we go through the Bible and it mentions finances, we talk about that. But in the last 30 years, not once have we got up here and, and challenged people and pleaded with people and begged with people, we have not even hinted toward people that they need to give to meet the needs of this church. My dad taught me from the scriptures that God's work done in God's way will not lack God's supplies. And um, we don't do bake sales to raise money for the work of this church. We don't do other things like that. We obey God, what he says, and he supplies through God's people. But when it comes to missions, without apology, we urge people because it's for our good. And this morning, I'm going to have to quickly go through these things. If you want the notes to this, if you don't get them, I can get them to you. But why make missions such a big deal? Here I am. I'm just trying to get through life. I have a hard time making it in life. And, and now you're bringing another element in here. Why make missions giving and missions a top priority? Number one, because God did. John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave the most precious gift that he could ever give. And if missions giving were not a priority, you wouldn't have John 3.16. That's the very heart of God. That's the very heart of God. He so loved the world that he gave. The number one thing to the Father was providing a way of reconciliation of mankind lost in sin separated from God, and the number one thing to the heart of the Father was to provide a way of reconciliation, sinners to be reconciled to God. And he knew the only way that that was possible was his son, so God was willing to give his son to bring reconciliation to the Father. The heart of God is missions. I mean, we go through the Bible and, and the whole, the overriding theme of the Bible is God 
bringing the good news that there is forgiveness of sins so that we can be reconciled by Jesus Christ to the Father. That's the good news. I mean, you go in the Old Testament, the theme of Jonah is missions. We think it's Jonah obeying God in that. Why did God send Jonah to Nineveh? To bring repentance. And so... We make missions giving a top priority because God did. Secondly, Acts chapter 26 and verse 18, in order to bring light to darkness, to open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. God sent his people, those that have been adopted into his family by faith in Jesus Christ, to bring light to darkness. I don't know if you're paying much attention at all. You don't have to be very alert to understand that we live in a dark, dark, dark world that's not getting any lighter. And the only solution to it is to bring light to darkness. It's, I mean, if you convince someone to have a, a good political view, let's just say, on abortion, you're still going to be fighting all the other battles. And that person may have a right view on that, but if they have never trusted Christ for the forgiveness of sins, they're going to be eternally separated from God. To bring genuine light to darkness is to bring Jesus Christ. And when Jesus Christ dwells within us and the power of the Holy Spirit, he will enlighten hearts and lives like no human reasoning ever can. And the only way that we can bring light to darkness is to bring the message of the gospel to those that are lost. That's missions. I said we need to quickly go through this, and we, we will. Number three, to be a good steward. The day is going to come when you and I will answer to God for what we have done in this life. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to receive the things that were done in this body. You have heard us say before, we are blessed in order to be a blessing. And as believers, we have been ultimately blessed with faith in Jesus Christ. That is not just so that we can stand around and say, hey, I know Jesus, you know Jesus, we're ready to go to heaven, isn't this wonderful? We are blessed in order to be a blessing. And someday we are going to answer for God, to God for what we have done with our blessings. He said in Luke twelve forty eight, to whom much is given, much will be required. Someone once said, if people aren't giving right, they're not someone. It was D.L. Moody that said, if people aren't giving right, they're not living right. If God isn't the master of our time, our talents, 
our resources, and our finances. He's not the master of our life. And to think about it, every resource that you have, we are not the owner of it. We are the caretaker. We're the manager. We're the steward. God can take anything away from us at any moment. And in order to be a good steward, this is what you've given me. God, how do you want me to use this? How do you want me to use these resources that you've given to me? Number four, why make missions giving a top priority is to have purpose. What is your purpose in life? You know the average purpose of life is, well, I, I want to... I want to go to work and work so I have things to eat and things to make my life comfortable and things enough to give me a good retirement so that I can then have a good retirement and die. What's your purpose in life? Why are you even here? Do you ever ask yourself that question? I mean, honestly, we ought to ask ourselves that question. God designed you to be involved in something bigger than you and something that will outlast you. And that's in his kingdom. And he says, I've adopted you into my family. You are now a representative of me. And I want you to use your job, the the resources that you get, your life, your retirement, whatever. I want you to use it for me. I want you to use it to help bring others into my kingdom. I want you to use it for something that is bigger than you and that will outlast you. Anything less than passionate involvement in global missions is actually selling God short and frustrating the very purpose with which he created us. I mean... Think about it. Ask, uh, let, let's ask ourselves this question. Why should God keep this church going? Now, if as a church or as individuals, we are involved in God's work, doing it God's way, God says, hey, there's a purpose for keeping that going. But if we heap it upon ourselves for our purposes... There's no reason for it. And in understanding the reality of this, you look at, you look at the back of the bulletin and those missionaries that we're co-partnering with, you know, it is, it is important for us to pray for them and uphold them before the Lord and support them. I mean, we can't just quit. God's called us to a way bigger purpose than just us people right here. Or just our own life. Number five, in order to have eternal treasure. Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Any any treasure in our life is either... An eternal heavenly treasure, 
or it is an earthly treasure that will not remain. God wants you to have something that will last. Giving and serving are the only ways to get eternal riches. Let me say that again. Giving and serving are the only two ways to get eternal riches. I don't care how much you have in your 401k, IRA, whatever you have. When you die, sad to say your family will fight over it, okay, if things go the way they normally go. Some of you said amen in your heart because you know it, you've been through it, you've experienced it. But the reality is, when you lay up treasures in heaven, there's no fighting over it and there's no saying goodbye to it. It's a reality. And God says, I want you to have treasures. So when, when, honestly, my motive for this today is not so we can say we have a bigger missions fund than any other. No other church even knows what we give. I mean, we're not in it to say, oh, look what. It's not about that at all. Honestly, my motive, I want to see you people have eternal rewards. There's there's many people that many Christians that are living today that they are going to have no eternal rewards because they haven't served and they haven't given. And my motive for you is a love for you. I do not want you to be broke in eternity. Don't get this idea, oh, we're all just going to be on the same level in heaven. That's a whole other topic, and we're not going to be all on the same level in heaven, okay? Too many thoughts going through my mind there, all right? But God wants you to have eternal treasure. Number six, to show God's power. One of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verses 7 and 8. He says that he wants us to purpose in our heart to give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Then this is one of my favorite verses. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. He says, if you give to God, and in the whole context there, they were giving to to help the work of God, and he said, when you do that, God is able to make all grace abound to you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. That, to me, sounds like a great place to be, doesn't it? And what is the basis of that? The basis of that is giving, to show God's power. There have been many of you that have said to me something along this line. You have said, you know, God burdened my heart about giving. And I thought, I don't know how we can do it, how we can afford it. And we said, okay, God, if that's what you want us to do. And you have said, 
Many of you could stand up and give this test. You have said, you know what, since the day that we did that, there was no way I saw that we could do it, but we obeyed, and God has met every one of our needs. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up that you can live on 90 or less percent when you're honoring God with your resources, better than you can on 100%. But it's the absolute truth. And God loves to show his power by doing things far beyond what we can ever imagine. Why? You're partnering with God. You're coming alongside God. And God says, try me. See if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you cannot contain. Number seven, this giving helps to keep possessions and money in their proper perspective. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he, he says, Godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into this world It is certain we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But the rich will fall into many hurtful and deceitful temptations and lusts. The love of money is the root of all evil. He doesn't say money is the root of all evil. He doesn't say it's evil to have money. He doesn't say it's evil to be rich. He says the love of money is the root of all evil. By honoring God, by giving to missions, it helps keep our possessions and money in their proper perspective. They are The resources God gives us are a means to an end. They are a tool. What are we doing with it? Did you know that Christ said more about money than he did about heaven and hell combined. In Christ's earthly ministry, he spoke more about finances because he knew where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And he said, I don't want you to build your treasure around these possessions, these finances. I want you to acknowledge that he is the owner and to say, how do you want me to use it? And to keep it in proper perspective. Number eight. We make missions giving a top priority to see God meet needs. We often quote, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you don't take the context of that. You would say, hey, I'm a Christian. God's going to supply all my needs no matter what. The context of that is that Paul was urging the church at Philippi, and he was giving the example of others, that as you give to the Lord, and go back and read it, as you give to the Lord and make his priorities your priorities, Then you can claim this promise. There are many, many people that have claimed that promise that have no ground for claiming it. Because God's priorities were not their priorities. 
Why should God meet the need of a selfish person? Lord, bless me. We're filling up. Lord, bless me. We're filling all our pockets. Our pockets are full and bulging. Lord, bless me. No. Lord, bless me. And thank you. I am blessed in order to be a blessing. Oh, thank you, Lord. You've given me the good news of the gospel. I'm blessed in order to be a blessing. You've given me these resources. I'm blessed in order to be a blessing. And when you are used of God like that, you will. there is great joy that comes in your life when you see God give you direction and then you see that meet needs in other people's lives. And then to hear how God is using that in around the world and, and meeting needs and it's like, wow, we were just a small part of that. Look at it. It gives you a bigger purpose, a bigger picture, a bigger design. Number nine, because time is short, and I don't mean it's almost 1130. I mean, do we really believe that Christ is coming again? The gospel is only good news if you hear it before you die. And in realizing There are people every day that are slipping into eternity and it is important for us to get the gospel to them because people are lost and going to hell. You know, we don't, it's not the politically correct thing to talk about hell. In fact, in evangelical circles, many are teaching that, well, maybe it's not a literal hell and maybe everybody is going to heaven Don't believe the doctrine of the shack, that the movie shack and the book shack that says everybody will eventually be saved. That's not from this book, I'll tell you that. People without Christ will die and will spend eternity in the lake of fire. I don't say that with joy. I don't say that with delight. That's why we should be involved in missions. That's why Christ came. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And God is able to to take any soul and rescue them from the lake of fire. As we shared before, when, when I visited to meet that marched the streets of his city holding a Koran saying, We will rule this city with this book. He was the leader of an Islamic radical Islamic group that was taking over his city there and in a unique manner of several ways, God broke his heart and brought him to salvation. He was transformed from the power of darkness to light. He is now back in that same city starting a church, proclaiming the gospel, the police called him in and said, do you recognize this person? They held up the picture of him as an Islamic radical militant marching the street. They held that up and he said, yeah, I know who that is. That's me. They said, what happened to you? He shared the gospel with them. Jesus Christ transformed my life. They said, if you have anyone ever bother you in this city, you let us know. We need more things like this happening. And they said, you have access to the schools. You have access wherever you want to go. This is what, you know what? 
That's why we're involved in missions. God is able to transform lives for his glory. There's one more bonus thing why to make missions giving a top priority in order to have a clear conscience. This is a command of God. I mean, it's a command that God has given us. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. If number one and number ten were the only two reasons, that should be sufficient, let alone the fact that God commanded us to. And so it means not just giving money, that's a part of it, but it means sharing Christ in our neighborhood, on the job, um, with our acquaintances and family. This is why you're left here. It's not just to do whatever we want. So it's important. And again, I say, um, I can't emphasize enough the importance of this in relationship to your walk with God and to you having eternal treasures in heaven and to you being a good steward. In, in a number of years, we've just kind of quickly gone over this, but as I said, God's burdened my heart in this regard that, you know, why am I left here if it's not to be involved in that which is eternal? Heavenly Father, I pray that you administer your grace in our lives. I pray that you would bring truly the spirit of these truths in hearts and lives here today. I pray that you would help us to walk by faith. And Lord, most of all, I pray if there is one person here today who has never called upon you for the forgiveness of sins, never been reconciled to the Father, never sought forgiveness through Jesus Christ, I pray today that they would call upon you for the forgiveness of sins and be adopted into your family. Lord, I pray that you would show your power in a very real way in our lives as we take steps of obedience to you, and may your work be honored and glorified in a great and mighty way through us as instruments in your hand. We pray in Jesus' name with thanksgiving. Amen. All right.